this is Tell Me What To Read, the podcast of booktopia.com.au. Happy Friday and happy 2022. I'm Nick Wasiliev and while the year may be new, the format of our book discussion, discussion podcast is still very much the same. I am joined today by Eden, Olivia and Laura. Hey guys, how are you? Hello. It's great to have you here, but before we dive into discussing the books that we have been reading and enjoying over the holidays, uh, I have a small little bit of housekeeping. Did you read books last year? And did you enjoy books last year? Because if so, it's time to show some love with the Favourite Australian Book Award, which is happening right now as we speak. The Fab Awards were established in 2019 to create a unique book prize voted by the Australian public based on a list decided by Booktopia's experienced team of book experts. And 2021 is going to be our third year and it's going to be especially good because we also will be revealing Booktopia's favourite book and favourite Australian debut book awards. So two new awards. Um, the original winners in 2019 was 488 Rules for Life by Kitty Flanagan, and, and 2020 was, of course, and that's what I reckon's Uncook Yourself. Both winners received a $5,000 prize as a reward for capturing the hearts and minds of the Australian or of the Australian book reading audience, and this year will be no different. So be sure to head to the link in the description for the Fab Award to cast your votes and pick the winner for the 2021 Fab Australian, Australian Book Award. So now I will head over to the books that we have been reading and enjoying. And I, Olivia, I'm going to throw to you first. What have you been enjoying over the Christmas break? Man, so many books. Um, I went on like a reading frenzy in the last week of the year to try and beat my Goodreads uh, for 2021 reading challenge, um, uh, which is the reason that I'm not setting myself a reading challenge goal this year because it was way too stressful and I was just picking books for the sake of beating my challenge. And that's not how I want to read, but did read some very good books. And I know I said I was going to talk about two books, but I think I'm going to talk about three because I've just kept thinking about one of the books I read in the Christmas break because it's just bonkers and I kind of loved it. Uh, so the first book I want to talk about is a book from Caroline O'Donoghue, who was an Irish journalist, podcaster, um, YA author and adult fiction author. I adore her podcast, Sentimental Garbage. Um, she's hilarious on Twitter and Instagram. And I really liked her first YA book. It was kind of very sensitive exploration of, you know, identity um, wrapped up in this very sinister t tale about, you know, tarot cards and um, hauntings and stuff. Very cool. but. Her debut novel, Promising Young Women, is the book that I want to talk about today. And you may be a bit confused and think, oh, is that, you know, based, is that the book that inspired the movie Promising Young Woman by um, Emerald Fennell? No, it is not. It is very confusing because they do talk. Um, but no, this is a completely different story, um, which would have been really odd if I was Caroline seeing a, book, a movie come out called Promising Young Woman um, when my book was called Promising Young Women. Anyway, this book um, is set in London and we follow a young 20-something-year-old named Jane Peters. Uh, when we first meet Jane, it's her birthday, um, she's in the office and she's trying not to cry because she's broken up with her boyfriend the night before and her life is a bit of a mess. She works for this advertising agency but her career is not really going anywhere, she's not being noticed um, until uh, she starts having an affair with a much older, much more powerful man at the firm. Um, and it kind of kickstarts a whole bunch of, at first, very like kind of positive things. You know, she gets, well, independently promoted. She gets to work on some cooler stuff. 
um, she has an exciting new sex life. But then this novel takes a very sinister twist. And I'm starting to realize that this is kind of a hallmark of this author. And it becomes something of a bit of a psychological, possibly supernatural thriller. I don't want to say definitively one way or the other, because um, I think it's a lot more of it's just subtext than actual, you know, creepy haunting stuff. But yeah, it, like, it's such a gutsy, weird novel. And it doesn't always work in what it tries to do, but I love it for even taking the swing. Um, so like, what I mean by sinister is that Jane starts getting, what I should mention about Jane is that she runs an anonymous blog, which is kind of like an agony art column um, called Jolly Politely, and people write in with their problems and she answers them. And she starts getting very weird submissions to Jolly Politely in very weird emails, like saying things like, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but things like run or like don't do this. And like, it's, it's connected to the affair that she's having. And it starts getting very creepy. And she starts, you know, kind of physically deteriorating at the same time. Um, and she starts feeling like she's going a little bit mad. So it's kind of a psychosexual thriller, um, takes some big swings. And it's all about that kind of power dynamic of, you know, like sexual relationships between men and women and you know who has the power here um and at the same time it's quite funny um so i really liked promising young woman women by caroline o'donoghue um definitely pick it up if you haven't already um so yeah that's the first book that i want to talk about the second book is one that i'm pretty sure is not a stranger to this podcast um i'm fairly certain that sarah and definitely shanu have talked about this book in this series um but i am obsessed with it um, I'm not even finished the first book and I just know that I want to instantly read everything in this series. And that series is The Mirror Visitor by Christelle Darbos. I am currently halfway through the first book called A Winter's Promise and it's such, like it's children's, oh, you know, it's young adult fantasy, I would say. Um, but it doesn't kind of sit neatly within the conventions of YA that I think a lot of like English, American and Australian YA looks like. Um, because it is French, it's translated into English, so, you know, it's a whole different world over there in France. Um, but basically the premise of this series is that Earth as we know it has been, you know, kind of exploded. This, there was this big event called the rupture, um, and it basically, I, I don't know what the rupture is yet, I haven't got to that point, but basically human civilization or what remains of it now lives on these big chunks of Earth called arcs. So, you know, we start off on an arc called Anima and we follow our protagonist, Ophelia. And everyone on arc, everyone who lives on an arc has a particular power that's specific to that arc. Um, so Ophelia is a reader um, and means that she can read the soul of an object, basically. And everyone has different kinds of like reading powers on, from where she comes from. Um, but it's very cool. And she can also travel through mirrors, which I think would be a very neat trick to be able to do. I wish I could do that. Um, but yeah, and it's kind of an unusual power in her world. And I feel like that's going to become significant later on. Please don't spoil it for me, anyone who has read this. Um, so basically what happens to poor Ophelia is that she gets engaged to be married to someone from another arc uh, called the Pole. And she doesn't want to get married to this person. He doesn't want to be married to her, but it's a marriage of political convenience. And it actually ends up being quite a dangerous union because Ophelia travels to the pole, which is kind of a winter struck 
like horrible place like it's beautiful but everyone is like basically trying to kill you and you shouldn't trust anyone um it's a fascinating world and i'm really not doing it justice here but this is such an interesting story and the, again big on the power dynamic discussion um oh yeah so yeah power dynamic discussion because a lot of these themes you don't really see kind of dealt with in ya or in this manner um you know, Ophelia's trying to survive in this world and also like learn more about her mysterious fiance. Um, but yeah, it's just such a whimsical world, but it is again quite sinister. Like I was actually thinking the other day that it would make a perfect Studio Ghibli film because there are some big, like it's very reminiscent of Spirited Away, which I've watched recently. So that's why it's in my head. Um, because, you know, there's that beautiful whimsy and fantasy level of action, but there's also very sinister undercurrent to it. And I just would love to see how they animate, you know, the arcs and, you know, these mysterious cities that they all live in. Um, so, yeah, basically, the novel's kind of turning out to be more of a political, there's lots of political intrigue. Um, there's a little bit of, you know, like the relationships, there's family relationships, there's, I don't know if it's going to end up as a romance because Ophelia and her fiancé Thorne do not like each other at this point. Um, but yeah, it's just such a Machiavellian world and I'm really obsessed with it. And the writing is so interesting. The, the um, translator is Hildegard Searle, I think. I will have to confirm that. And the book will be in the description bar anyway. Um, but yeah, if you've never picked up the Mirror Visitor series, and I think there are four books in this series um, from Christelle Darbos, I really do recommend it. Um, I'm having the best time reading this book and it's wonderful. So that's my second book. And finally, I'm not going to dwell too much on this last book because everyone knows and loves Middlemarch by George Eliot, and that's what I'm reading. I'm finally picking this book up. Um, John Purcell, our former director of books at Booktopia, is probably shrieking from across the pond because I haven't read it yet, even though I told him I would several times. Uh, but yeah, this is an incredible novel, kind of in the early 1830s, um, just about a town called Middlemarch and its various inhabitants. So we've got Dorothea Brooke, the brilliant and super religious young heroine, her disastrous marriage to Edward Casabon and like the various people that she meets and who live in this town. And uh, I was reading about, I was reading an article about someone's reading habits in 2022 um, from, I think it was Literary Hub. And they described Middlemarch as exquisitely boring in that like not a lot really happens, like lots of little things happen, but it's still fascinating and it's exquisitely rendered by George Eliot because she's a master and I definitely agree like I'm kind of enjoying just kind of plodding along reading a little bit at a time um getting lost in this world because it just it deals with such interesting concepts there's like you know love and marriage there's artistry there's you know intense religious debates intense medical debate um it's really good everything um I'm really happy to have finally picked up Middlemarch by George Eliot this one's for you, John Purcell. So I'm really enjoying it. And that's what I've been reading and loving at the moment. I love that you've, again, e even despite that stuff, you've, you've thrown in yet another 1800s novel that uh, you've been loving and enjoying. Um, I especially love that you're, you're reading A Winter's Purpose. Chanu, uh, you are correct, that has appeared on the podcast before. Chanu wow. smashed through the entire uh, series in... Uh, one in, weekend, wasn't it? In one weekend, wow. in typical Chanu fashion. Um, and she raved, she raved about this series um, and that it's just such a hidden gem 
um, mm. the, from this from this amazing French author, um, and everyone should read it. So I'm loving that you're enjoying it as well. God, the uh, it's so cool, and it's just so different from any YA I've read. It's kind of not afraid to go into the sticky, dark places of you know human relationships, even in this weird world that it's set in. So yeah, love it. Yeah, I also love the sound of uh, of, of promising young women as well. Like when the, when you just started describing that book, I was like, this is not where I thought this was going to go, and now it's I really bonkers. It takes a real turn. And like I said, it doesn't always land its punches, but I love that it takes the swing. I, I kind of like that though, even with even yeah, if a book even if a book doesn't like one hundred percent nail it, the fact that it like has the audacity to try and do something completely bonkers often can be yeah. you just have to admire it for when for trying that. But yeah. damn it, damn it, damn it, the, the to be red pile has already started and we've only one guest <laughs> in. Um, but with that further ado, I will move now on to Eden. Uh, Eden, what have you been reading over the last couple of weeks? Well, um, firstly, while that was all happening, I was adding um, that whole series to my cart. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, so for me, uh, YA fantasy is just my comfort place. It is my home. So whenever I'm feeling out of sorts, I just gravitate towards that. And it's really all I've been reading lately. Um, and I want to start off with a, an author who I've had their kind of like, I forgot the name of the series, but I've had their series on my TBR for a while. And I was recently sent a little book they wrote, um, and it's called Once More Upon a Time by Roshani Tokshi. Um, I hope I said that correctly. It's a delightful gem of a book. It's, it's gorgeous. It's like a, a perfect little fantastical adventure and it's full of humor and enchanting storytelling and um i love retellings and it's a brother's grim retelling and it mixes a few of their tales and i promise i was like laughing throughout the whole thing and you know i i tend to giggle here and there with YA fancy but i was literally like laughing out loud throughout the whole thing um so basically we um read from two points of views imelda and ambrose and they're on a request um, they're on a quest uh, to reclaim their heart's desire. But the problem is they've completely forgotten what exactly that is. They were once in love so much so that one of them was on the brink of death and they defied that um, with the help of a witch. But as you know, everything comes at a cost, especially when the witch is like hilariously diabolical and she was just I, like that, I think she, her character is what made me laugh the most, to be honest. Um, she grants them this wish, but um, the two are then resigned to this sort of like loveless fate. So they don't remember any of their past feelings for one another. It's all done away with. And what's more, they're actually married. So now they have to live together for um, a year and a day very random amount of time um, before Ambrose is set to be exiled and Imelda is to return to her father's kingdom um, to go back to what she used to do. And her sisters just had like a, a brood of birds. Her husband is a magpie. Um, you'll have to read the book to understand why the hell that is. <laughs> and I'm still confused to this very, very day, but still, I loved it. Um, anyway, it's safe to say that they both aren't overjoyed at their future prospects. They're, they, they don't want that, and especially Imelda. So there's like this delightful play on the um, 12 dancing princesses tale. Um, and Imelda is one of 12 sisters. 
loves to dance the night away, loves to go to, no, I don't want to call it fairyland because that sounds like it's for children. It's more like fairyland. So bad stuff happens there, kids. But anyway, um, she has an overbearing father and he fits them all with these sort of like enchanted shoes that track where they are and can control their feet and forces them away from these dancing parties. Um, so all she wants really is to like be free and to, to not have shoes on, to be shoeless. And all he wants, Ambrose wants, is to be far away from his family. Um, they're just really meddlesome and his brother tried to poison him at one point. So there's that. Anyway, they're angry. They want to get away from everything. She's shoeless and they're on the pair, they're on the, the brink, sorry, of starting their new lives when the witch appears and she presents them with another deal of sorts, which is to retrieve one of her favorite potions she's run out of. It's, uh, they have to go to a wedding to do it and she can't attend because, well, she's a witch. So like people don't normally, you know, invite witches to their weddings <laughs> and she will give them whatever they truly desire. And that is like word for word what she says. So they're like, that seems pretty reasonable. They're very sure of what they want. So they agree. And they go off on this hilarious journey and they go through magical landscapes and there's um, enchanted creatures along the way. Um, and then they're both, they both come face to face with what they've been missing all of these years, which is love. <laughs> and so you pair like this really, um, I want to call her snarky heroine with this really like respectable gentleman or so he thinks who's very scared of everything that's out of the ordinary. And it's like the most, delightful romance it's very it's like a very curious tale um and on the note of like enchanted creatures and objects there's like a cloak who thinks it's a horse and there's like a honey badger who's very cute but he's very evil and i just loved it so much so i, I really highly recommend it i'll be rereading it from time to time for sure <laughs> and then the next book it's just a really quick shout out but i had to mention it um it's our violent ends by chloe gong and it's the conclusion to one of the most epic YA fantasy geologies I have ever read. And I need it to be adapted like today because it would just, it's like, it's cinematic, it's atmospheric. When you read it, you just know it would make the best movie, the best show ever. Anyway, it's um, a Romeo and Juliet retelling. It's set in 1920s Shanghai. It's action packed. It's got a romance to defy all odds. And it's, really really smart it's like politically and culturally charged you can tell the author knows what she's talking about and she herself is is such an interesting person like you need to go look her up her tiktok is fabulous she's so young and has accomplished so much but anyway um yeah the characters have enemies coming at them from all sides there's you know gang warfare there's scheming plotting um like anxiety inducing getaways and the world itself is just extraordinarily beautiful it's all consuming and i i just i want more from her i'm pretty sure she's coming out with a adult fiction title um so i'm, I'm very keen to read that and yeah that's all from me <laughs> well i must say it it like I, I love that you're going back to to comfort to comfort books for, for after such a long year that we had in 2021. I was just thinking to myself, that first book that you were describing, um, that's got to be the most Eden book to ever Eden. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. <laughs> it's like, this is everything. This is like ticking off the Eden loves list, which I think is, is amazing. Um, thank you so much. Really? Great, great, great recommendations. Um, so before we move on to our final guest, Lara, we are in fact sponsored this week. Um, Coco Berlin is a certified 
pelvic floor expert and the, and the author of the best-selling book, Pussy Yoga, Pelvic Floor Training for Radiance, Confidence, and a Fulfilling Love Life. This book was originally published in German, but it has since been translated into Polish and is now available in English and is our sponsored book of the week. Most women have no access to the power of their pelvis and the pelvic floor is often misunderstood and a neglected centerpiece of our musculoskeletal system, but it is crucial for healthy, elegant movement and for sensuality. The power is available to every woman, but for many it has been locked away, but you will find the, secret, the keys to unlock it in this book. Fortunately, Coco approaches the topic uh, that, may, that some may find a little uncomfortable with fun, humor, and grace. And it is an absolute must read for anyone looking to, to increase the strength of their pelvic floor. So get your copy of Pussy Yoga, Pelvic Floor Training for Radiance, Confidence, and a Fulfilling Love Life. Links are in, uh, in the description, and it is our sponsored book for the week. Lastly, but certainly not least, I will move on to Lara. What have you been enjoying over the Christmas break? Hello. Well, I have actually been doing a lot of reading over the Christmas break, which is kind of unusual for me. Um, I took myself way back to the 80s and read Priscilla Presley's biography of her, well, I suppose it's an autobiography, um, of her life from the time she met Elvis at 14 until his death in 1977. Um, and it was quite a trip. So I... I've always liked Elvis, but I always have understood that there's, you know, quite a bit of controversy around him, but I've never really looked into it far enough to have an opinion either way. I just like his music. Um, so I thought, why not? I got my hands on, on Priscilla's book and read it in like three days. It's a really easy read. Um, it's very, very interesting. It's definitely, definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, their introduction isn't quite as scandalous as I had been led to believe. Um, it, it was a mere coincidence that she happened to be as young as she was. It wasn't that she was intentionally targeted as a, a young woman or a teen, really. Um, but it's really interesting. She sort of gets swept up. She is so young that she's completely enamoured by him from day one, um, as I'm sure any woman, let alone teenager, would have been at that time. Um, and they meet when he's, they're both posted in Germany. Her father um, is in the army and he's in Germany for quite a few years. And Elvis is there for about a year. Um, he's also in the army at the time. And they meet at a party one night and immediately hit it off and get along really well. And then he eventually, after a few months, goes back to the United States and he's got all these girlfriends and she's wondering, is he going to forget about her and all this sort of thing. He eventually flies her over to spend some time with him in the States and then they're pretty much just together from then on. It's really, really interesting to see. Um, it's definitely a book that has a lot of bias. It's definitely... Um, written from her perspective purely. There's things that she writes about him in a really loving way that from the outside looking in is like, whoa, that's unhealthy. Um, but you can also get an appreciation for the fact that he, as well, I suppose, is a product of his time. Um, it's really, really interesting. It definitely gave me a whole new perspective on Elvis. He, um, 
there are some things that are quite outrageous um, and in this day and age we would say get a therapist but um, otherwise um, good read do recommend um, and then the other book that I've been reading is The Beach by Alice Garland. Um, the Beach is one of my favourite books of all time. I've read it maybe five or six times since I first picked it up in 2016. It's amazing. It's about a British backpacker in the 90s. He's, um, you know, I don't know, he's about 20-odd, and he goes to Thailand and he, he ends up hearing about this mystical beach because um, this is the time when Thailand was becoming really, really popular and there are tourists everywhere and it's just completely, the culture was completely flooded by Western tourists and people who were true backpackers as they saw themselves or true travellers um, felt they weren't really experiencing freedom. They felt they were just getting the commercialised trip. Um, so he find, ends up hearing about this hidden beach and he makes two friends and they end up island hopping and swimming from a couple of, like from island to island to end up finding this beach and becoming part of this little, it's almost like a little cult group where they live in purely peacefully. They live off the land in, on this island in their tiny little commune. They all work for the, for the good of the commune. They all each have their jobs. You know, some people fish, some people clean, some people build. Um, and it's really this blissful, idyllic life. It's the kind of life that we all, at one point or another, have said that we'd love to live. You know, I'd love to just live the really simple life, take away technology, take away money, all that sort of thing. It's that kind of life. Um, but then it's almost a little bit Lord of the Flies in the end. It starts to take a really sinister turn. Um, and it's just sort of a commentary on the the way that um, society actually benefits from many of the rules that we have in place. Many of the rules that we wish to sort of shirk and do without um, exist for the protection of humans. So yeah, it's a really, really interesting book. It's will really draw you in. There's some high drama. It does get a bit gruesome. There are some violent moments. Um, there's also a, a film from the 90s with Leonardo DiCaprio um, based on this book. It's of the same name. Um, Leo plays Richard, the main character. Um, there, there is, as always, some differences between the, the film and the book. The book will definitely take you by surprise, um, particularly the ending, but it is really worth a read. It's It'll really draw you in and it'll make you think all about that dream life, that island life, and then it'll make you go, whoa, can't wait to get back to civilization. So I always recommend The Beach. It's a great book. I love, I love that you're reading this. I, my first experience of this book was uh, the film. Um, and uh, God, Jesus, it goes down some, it goes down some, uh, some rabbit holes. Some dark holes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, obviously, obviously I'm imagining that the, the details would be... Uh, would be you know too numerous to go into in a single podcast but um <laughs> having not actually read the book and knowing that i really should uh what was oh, the Nick. what like does it is it a lot more sinister and darker than the than than the film it is oh, yes. oh really oh god yes because that it myth, is cause... way 
more sinister, way more dark than the film. Um, the There is a scene towards the end that um, really is very, quite Lord of the Flies-ish. That's um, it really the first time, by coincidence, the first time I picked up this book, I was in an airport in Cambodia flying to Thailand and I was like, oh, I've, you know, I've heard about this book. I'll just grab it and I'll read it when I get to Thailand. And I ended up reading it while I was staying on PP Island, which is a stone's throw from the island that the book is based on. Um, and it just was like really one of those really weird little synch like synchronised moments in life where you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm reading this book at the exact time that I'm like right near where it's set. And um, I was sitting in my hotel bed reading one of the final you know, major scenes. And my two friends were on the bed next to me and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I sat up and they were like, what's happening? And I was like, it's just my book. It's, just, <laughs> it's very like, it completely took me by surprise. It's very dark, but it's so good. Yeah. I it really yeah. It definitely, I, I can imagine if you ended up going to somewhere, the place where they filmed it, which I think was um, Co-PP the islands out there. Yes. Uh, it definitely makes you look at this beautiful paradise in a, in a new, in a new light. Totally. In a new context. Completely new way. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to read it. It's so good. Oh, another, another one to the TBR pod, but uh, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a classic. So it's, it has to be done at some point. Um, great recommendations, um, Lara and great recommendations, everyone uh, hitting the ground running in 2022. Um, thank you guys so much. What a fantastic uh, selection of books that you have been uh, reading over the Christmas break. Um, so for all of our listeners, uh, be sure to check out the books uh, that we have talked about today down in the description box, as well as our sponsored book as well. Um, but also for any books at all in life, if you need books in your life, which I absolutely think you do, it's incredibly important to have books. We have this wonderful little website called booktopia.com.au. There are literally millions of books there. Go and check it out. It's a good website because uh, if you if you do go there, it, it, it you know and buy some books, it helps us make money and helps us keep doing this podcast and helps us do everything here. Um, also, be sure to go and check out the favorite Australian Book Award, as mentioned at the top of the podcast. Get your votes in before Wednesday, the nineteenth of January, and then be sure to check out the top ten shortlist that will be announced shortly afterwards, and you can vote in that as well. Uh, the, the winner get, picks up $5,000. So if you had a book that chilled you to your core, that made you laugh beyond words, show the author some love, get behind it, vote for their book, and they can win $5,000. You also can go in the running to win a gift voucher, as well, a couple of gift vouchers as well. So that brings us to the end of the podcast for this week. And please join us next week as we sit down uh, for our interview podcast with Hugh Van Kleinberg, Paul Kennedy, and Paul Barbera to discuss uh, their respective books. Um, we'll see you next Friday for our book discussion podcast as always. And thank you for listening and never stop reading. Bye.